Blog Talk Radio. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. It's an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for over 15 years now, we've been asking the entrepreneurs of own one. I'm your host, Marty McDermott. I'm the president of Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show today. Well, many years ago, we started a spinoff podcast of Franchise Interviews called Great Quotes in Franchising, and Great Quotes in Franchising features some great quotes and aha moments from our show. We start today's show with our latest Great Quote in Franchising, which comes from Alex Wilkes of Pearl Vision. And Alex discusses why being proud of the brand name is so important when choosing a franchise opportunity. Following that, we're going to play our interview with Scott Barnett, author of Gumption, Taking Bubba Gump from Movie to Restaurant. That's coming right up on Franchise Interviews. So stick around because we have a great show. Franchise Teacher. Would you like to know how to franchise your concept or grow your franchise business? Meet the experts at Franchise Teacher. The goal of Franchise Teacher is to teach, coach, consult, and advise. The team of experts at Franchise Teacher will evaluate your business model and present you with a winning business strategy. Franchise Teacher will help you decide whether or not your concept works and if it's franchisable. Franchise Teacher is proud to have over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Franchise Teacher are developers of over a dozen franchise systems, which include brick and mortar as well as home-based concepts of nearly 3,000 combined franchise locations. Whether you need to add more units or get more customers, Franchise Teacher can help. We will teach. Franchise Teacher will help you learn our proven system. Coach. Franchise Teacher will help you provide a game plan to succeed. Consult. Franchise Teacher will make sure you stay on track. And advise. Franchise Teacher will help you learn from our over 30 years of experience in franchising as both franchisees and franchisors. Take advantage of our free, no-obligation phone consultation. Simply go to FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. That's FranchiseTeacher.com or call us at 561-385-3032. Hi, this is Connie McDermott, Administrative Assistant for Franchise Interviews, LLC, and you're listening to franchise interviews. Hi everyone, this is Marty McDermott, the president of Franchise Interviews. Welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising, 
Mish podcast you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews many years now. During that time, we've had some incredible quotes on the show. Today's great quote in franchising comes from Alex Wilson of Pearl Vision. Alex talks about the significance of being proud when you own a franchise, and I'll let Alex explain why. From everything you've learned up to this point, what advice would you give to our listeners in their quest to buy your franchise? You know, I think find one first and foremost that matches your your personality and your mm-hmm. and, and your desires. Find yeah. one that aligns to what you want to do from a, right. a community perspective. I think you know, think about it as you would think about even uh, you know any other type of of job, which is, are you going right. to uh, find personal gratification out of the out of the category? Does it really? inspire you. Um, right. I think it's yeah. more of a find, find your right emotional match mm-hmm. uh, versus, you know, potentially, you know, start there would be, would be my right. match. I think about it like, you know, uh, oh, you know, I've been a, a corporate guy. I've worked in management consulting. I've, you know, worked at, you know, Luxottica going on 10 years now. Mm-hmm. And right. my first criteria, always thinking about, you know, would I take a different position is, is it a category? Is it a brand that I can get excited about and do I personally mm-hmm. identify with? This is a bit of an, uh, of an abstract, but right. I always think about would it be, would I be proud to wear this shirt when I like, when I'm going to the gym or when I'm, you know, running out with my kids, would I be, would I be proud to have that brand on the shirt that I have on my back as I'm out in the community? And to me, that's wow. always been my, my first filter you know, I'd encourage potential franchisees to think about it in the same way. Are you affiliating with a brand that you are deeply uh, proud of and that you are aligned with the, the mission and vision of, of, the, uh, of the enterprise? I, I love that, that response, Alex. I've been doing the show, as I mentioned, 13 years now. I haven't heard that response, you know, but it makes so much sense, doesn't it? You know, it's, you want to be proud of that brand, don't you? You know, and I, I, think, that's, I think that's so powerful. I, I think... If you'd like to hear that whole interview with Alex Wilkes of Pearl Vision, all you have to do is go to FranchiseInterviews.com, go to our Franchise Interviews by Category page, and then go to the Health category. And lastly, oh, we'd like to thank everyone for making this Great Quotes in Franchising podcast such a big hit. And we'll see you again soon with another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising or Franchise Interviews. Take care. Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. Franchise Interviews. From Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia, you're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Welcome to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship. Listen to interviews with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts, and attorneys. And now, welcome your host, Marty McDermott, and Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews. We're focusing on Franchise Interviews, and we have a great show. We're meeting with Scott Barnett, author of Gumption, taking bubblegum shrimp from movie to restaurant. We're going to talk to Scott about that in just a moment on Franchise Interviews. So stick around, because we've got a great show. 
Are you one of those special people who are willing to go after your dreams and goals? Are you ready to fulfill that dream of owning your own business with the security of a proven brand? The opportunity to take control of your future and own a Rita's Italian Ice franchise is within your reach. Rita's is seeking success-oriented individuals who are ready to make a change in their life, and Rita's offers unparalleled training and support to assure your success. And did you know the frozen treat industry is a recession-proof industry, and there are Rita's in 23 states currently with 540 stores open. Rita's Italian Ice has been around for 25 years and is listed as a top-performing franchise by the Wall Street Journal. Now here's the really good part. Rita's Italian Ice is a unique and amazing taste treat. It's smoother than a snow cone, and it combines ice with real fresh fruit. The real fruit adds dramatically to the taste, and it comes in over 40 flavors. The ice and fruit are mixed on site and made fresh daily, and it is delicious. You'll want to know more about this exciting and successful franchise opportunity. Go to www.ownaritas.com and get all your questions answered. That's www.ownaritas.com to take control of your dreams and future today. You don't want to wait any longer to be a part of this adventure. www.ownaritas.com Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to a very special edition of Franchise Interviews, where for old women, I'm the president of Franchise Interviews. And as we were saying earlier, we have a great show today. We're meeting with Scott Barnett, author of Gumption, Taking Bubba Gump from Movie to Restaurant. Hey, Scott, how you doing? Welcome to the show. Doing well. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure, Scott. Yeah, congratulations on the book, by the way. It's, um, you know, I have a chance to, I, I'm a professor for Kaplan University, so I have the opportunity of reading a lot of different business books. And this one is on my uh, books to recommend to my students and uh, friends. So it really is fantastic. That's great to hear. The, the um, you know, I love the movie Forrest Gump, Scott. I think, you know, I, I think I'm one of those people who identified with uh, Bubba's character for my love of shrimp, and I got the chance of working in the um, seafood industry for several years. Why did you think the creation of an entertainment restaurant based on a single movie like Forrest Gump could be successful? You know, at, at first I wasn't sure, to tell you the truth. Yeah. We, we, we really weren't... Um, uh, we, we really weren't certain that this could work. What, what really um, caused me to think that, to, to change my mind was that when I when I really screened the movie and looked at it, and I realized oh. that there was that that Zemeckis, who was the creator and and, and right. producer and director, was really um, bottling magic in a certain way. And uh-huh. and then as we looked at the research that came out of it, what we learned was there was an unforced translation from a movie to a restaurant. And it uh-huh. really made sense that such a thing would exist. So on the basis of that, and, and of course the, the needs of the company, that's why we went ahead and did it. That's fantastic. We're speaking with Scott Barnett, author of Gumption, Taking Bubba Gump from Movie to Restaurant. And Scott, what prompted you to work in the restaurant industry? It seems like you know, there's something that you, that you like about that particular industry. 
You know, it was really by chance. I was mm. I was working in a gas station in Palm Desert, California, and I was saving up money for uh, college. And I ended up uh, borrowing a friend's motorcycle and put it down on a gravelly curve and broke my ankle and uh, mm. tore up my hands. I couldn't work, and so I had to put college off. And when I uh, was able to work again, I started as a valet parking attendant at a restaurant. And one day... Uh, uh, hostess came out and said, "Hey, you're going to bust tables tonight," and I did. And and it when the, and the hours just sort of flew by. It was the work was hard, but it was a lot of fun. And right. and I I felt like we were putting on nightly theater every night. And and uh, and and we were doing it better than anybody else in town. So out of that came this kind of desire to continue doing it. So when I did go on to college, which I eventually did, I kept working as a cook and bartender and right. so on. And and uh, it just got in my blood, I guess. It sounded like it was your destiny, you know. I mean, from <laughs> you know, from a young age. And it sounded like those, you know, in reading the book too, Scott, that you know, those owners of that particular restaurant that you were working for, they had a big impact on your life as well, didn't they? They did. the 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 whole thing was is that you know they treated it as um, kind of an amalgamation of family and business, yeah. and and it was really unique. And I and I thought, you know, this can this this is something I really like doing. And you know, when I worked before, it was all, you always referred to your boss as, you know, Mr. Johnson or Mr. Mr. Anderson. And and this guy was just Lyman. And 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 it was really a, a very different and, and and really kind of fun way of of looking at your professional life, if you will. And that's that's really what it was. That's fantastic. For our listeners, Scott, who may have never been in a Bubba Gump Shrimp Company restaurant, what makes Bubba Gump so different from some other like entertainment restaurants like um, Planet Hollywood or Hard Rock Cafe? Well, we we in the end, the restaurant business is really about some very basic things. It's about mm-hmm. hot food, hot, cold food, cold, service with a smile, in pleasant, clean interesting surroundings and 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 so on but i think makes bubba gump different is that um you know we had come from a a background we had actually been running a a company called rusty pelican restaurants which was an upscale seafood dinner house and so when we when we came into the the, this so-called entertainment which is a kind of a mix of entertainment and restaurants we brought with us kind of a, a a stronger and i think better quality filters in terms of the food product and, and the service and what have you. So when we when we did Bubba Gump, we actually wanted to make it a restaurant. A lot of these people who get into that business from the from the entertainment side, they think they're in the trademark business. So they think they're in uh, right. you know something else. And the reality is, you know, you're in the restaurant business. And so that's that's how we looked at it and I think it made us pretty different from a lot of our competition. Why is the restaurant business so difficult, Scott. You know, I think people make it difficult for one thing, mm-hmm. but 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 something else really is is that um, the restaurant business is it's very capital intensive. It's very meaning you need you need some money to do it, and you know if you miss somewhere on the life cycle life cycle curve, and and you, you're putting something out there that people just don't want. I don't care how how good you are, you're you're just not going to make it because right. you've got to you've got to listen to the customer. They're the ultimate arbiter, and and they decide what is what is desirable and what is not. And uh, there's a very high failure rate, as you know. 
And and I think a lot of it, most of it, has to do with being undercapitalized, not being in the right location, or mm-hmm. just not giving people what they want when they want it. Yeah, I think that's well said. We're speaking with Scott Barnett, author of Gumption, Taking Bubble Gumption from Movie to Restaurant. And Scott, whose idea was it to include a retail store that sold Forrest Gump merchandise right inside the restaurant? That was very clever. Was the retail store uh, your biggest surprise? Yes, it was. We it, it, we all knew we were going to do a retail store. We just did, right. I think uh, that that everybody because the hats and and the hats and t-shirts had been a huge part of uh of uh Bubba Forrest Gump right. uh yeah. in, in terms of uh, the movie and they had believe it or not, I mean Paramount was shocked at the amount of hats and and wow. t-shirts they sold. And so when they did, we thought, well, we'll do that, but we're not going to do it halfway. We're going to, we'll, we'll actually do a real store, unlike say, right. Planet Hollywood, which had a, um, or, or Hard Rock Cafe, which had a, just a counter, which you walked up to, and and there were T-shirts on the wall, and you sort of picked one out and bought it, and so it was a huge surprise to us, and and a, and a happy one. But in the end, it, it, we knew we we weren't just a we weren't going to be a retail store. We were going to be a restaurant right. that contained a retail store, and and so uh, it, it worked really well for us. We did about fifteen percent of our sales, and it grew into wow. a, a, a yeah, it, it really grew into a thirty million dollar business. But That's incredible. in the end, I mean, you still have to be a restaurant. That's fantastic. I mean, there was a lot of innovative things that you know that that, that went on. Um, the hiring of a Forrest Gump impersonator to be present at restaurant openings. I mean, that was another great example, and I saw that on the internet. Um, how successful was that? That was really something. We, we, I was standing outside working on the sign at the first Bubba Gump in Monterey, California, and. And uh, we were, uh, as a, a guy kind of walked by out of the corner of my eye, and he was in, he was in white. And I thought, ah, oh, okay, he looks like Forrest Gump. Right. He goes into the restaurant and talks to my uh, director of marketing, Kathy Peterson, and she comes out and she goes, hey, you've got to come in here and see this guy. And I did, and, and it turned out he, you know, he was dressed in, a, in the same suit that Forrest was in in the movie, and right. he had a checkered shirt with a suitcase, and he was in Nike sneakers, and the guy looked a lot like Tom. Oh, my God. And he'd gotten his haircut like Forrest. And so I said, well, we'll hire him for the opening. And uh, it'll be a novelty. Well, he ended up keeping him for a long time. Wow. And he, he must be the most photographed guy in America. Because he, he I, I, mean, I thought it was Tom band. Hanks. Yeah, when I saw it too, Scott, I mean, I, I thought it was, I mean, he looked to me, he looked just like Forrest Gump, the, the character. I mean, it was, it, was, yep. it was identical. I mean, it really was very clever, you know, so I, I thought that was great. I was mentioning to you, Scott, I, I teach for a university and, and I teach marketing, and restaurants are essentially a, a marketing business. Maybe you could talk a little bit about the four P's of marketing and how um, a new graduate can really understand the mindset of a restaurant CEO. Sure. I, I mean, it, it, the four P's of marketing, as you know, if you're, if you're instructing in, in, a, in a university or college, is that you know, it's for price, promotion, place, and uh, product, and mm-hmm. and we. Uh, uh, I always kind of viewed um, my approach to the business that way. I think that um, in the in terms of uh, of uh, Bubba Gump, we we really looked at that and 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 kind of devised a, a marketing strategy out of that. 
and then you know looked at it from the standpoint of our strengths and weaknesses and opportunities and so on, just as you would any strategic plan or business plan, and 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 then we developed our, our marketing plan around that. In in terms of pricing and, and product and promotion and all that, we we really um, looked at. And Bubba Gump, and we did a lot of research, a lot of market research um, uh-huh. around it after we had gotten it open. We didn't do market research beforehand because there was nothing to <laughs> do research about. But right, right. Once we did, you know, we spent an inordinate amount of time doing research at every opening, both quantitative and qualitative. So we would do quantitative research like what we call nose counting, where we'd put a questionnaire in front of uh-huh. three, four, or 500 people and then get a statistically significant um, response. Right. And things like what did you like about it, what you didn't like, and so on. And then we did focus groups, a number of them over the years, that where we would where we would look at where we would talk about what the impressions were and get an idea of what the overall general feeling was about the company. In terms of uh, uh, the, the the menu itself, the product, and so on. I mean, and we, and we, and by the way, we view the product as not just the food. We also right. viewed it as the overall experience, the, the the tenor of the service, the how people viewed the uh, the ambiance and the atmosphere. And in the end, I mean, what we were trying to create was um, what I'll call an emotional souvenir that that people could take with them, and. And, and 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 do what is most important in the restaurant business, which is create a memorable experience that they're not only uh, seeing but they're part of. And so that's part of the engagement that we tried to do was to get people to um, to be a part of the experience as much as they were to uh-huh. quote experience it unquote. And that was that that was really I think where we where, where the product that we created was kind of unique. That's fantastic. I have my marketing students listen to that clip. I think what you just said there is is, is fantastic. Well, speaking of location, you know, we're talking about the marketing uh, mix, Scott. I mean, you, you did some interesting things with locations. I mean, you took um, you looked at poor performing restaurants that were in great locations. What were what some of the biggest location challenges that you experienced? I suppose. Um uh, one of the things that people do is they 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 say, oh well, I'm going to locate on the pier, or I'm going to locate in right. this place, and and that'll solve the problem. And really, it's not. You have to. It, it's a little bit like putting some uh, attention to detail so that you get the whole. You don't just go nine yards and miss the t- miss the first down. You we I guess the biggest challenge we ever had on a great location that was really not doing well was San Francisco at Pier 39, where. They, they were at the end of the pier, had a great view of all three bridges, the Golden Gate, the Bay Bridge, and so on, and, and, and yet uh, you couldn't find the place. So we were able to negotiate a deal where, the, um, uh, where we put a sign, huge sign, mm-hmm. giant sign at the base of the pier and saying, we're here at the end of the pier. And then second, uh, it was on the second floor, which is typically the kiss of death for restaurant locations, but we got wow. the landlord to put an escalator up with our treatment on it. And then finally, it was sort of uh, at the out, at the out, what I'll call the on the perimeter of the pier. So we uh, projected our presence into the center of the pier by leasing the space in front of us, and then cladding it with our with our treatment. So we were able to take a, a restaurant that had done barely done two million dollars and turn it into a twelve million dollar restaurant with you know with our Amazing. with our name and and so on. So I mean, there's there's things you have to do. You can't just 
you can't just say, well, I'm going to be here on the beach <laughs> and think that's right. going to do it. you got to do a lot of other stuff. You have so much experience in the restaurant industry. You know, it's, it's interesting because it probably, all that experience, I don't know if it prepared you for, you know, what was it like dealing with Paramount Studios, Scott? I mean, that had to be something new for you. You know, I always I likened uh, dealing with Paramount as to um, dealing with armed preschoolers. You have to be really careful. And <laughs> and we, uh, uh, but but in the end, I, I mean, they're very tough negotiators. They're very, right. uh, uh, they, 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 contrary to what everybody may think, the Paramount, you know, the movie business likes money, and right. they 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 get after it pretty hard. But but in the end, I have to say this about the people at Paramount. They took a risk with us because, mm-hmm. you know, we were a company that had been in Chapter 11 because our, you know, the, when I took over Rusty Pelican, it was technically insolvent, so we had right. to reorganize it. And and uh, and they, they went with us over, you know, groups like Darden or, or Brinker and so on, which much bigger companies, because our vision was consistent with theirs. And and they they took a chance. The mantra in Hollywood is "Don't do anything that will get you fired." And they they took a they took a risk with us, which was right. We were fine with. So in the end, we got the deal done. That's interesting. Yeah, and I know you talk about it in that in the book. In, in going international, you decided to use franchising as an alternative to expand, Scott. Why um, franchising, and what was that experience like for you? You know, we, we the, the the reason for franchising uh, internet. We didn't franchise domestically and don't, and uh, right. and so uh, and they still don't. And although you mm-hmm. know we sold the company in 2011, but they don't franchise domestically now. But but um, internationally, it makes total sense to do that or license it, one or the other, mm-hmm. because right. You know, there are so many different uh, countries and so many different ways of doing business, and 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 there are there and rules and laws and regulations that it would be very presumptuous for someone to think that they could operate a business in in any overseas market. Now, we did operate a business overseas in Hong Kong. We were mm-hmm. joint we joint ventured that deal, and we were the operating group that uh, that did it. Uh, on the other hand, we also joint ventured in Mexico. And we would never presume to try to operate in Mexico. Our, our partner was an experienced restaurant restaurant guy, and he uh, his his team operates the restaurant, and rightfully so. So I think you just have to be you have to match your uh, right. your needs and wants with what the market will bear at the particular location that you're doing it. We 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 looked at the whole world. We hired a company called Cine Little. Jim Little was the, the guy we used. And, and he did a study of the whole world and said, okay, this would be franchise. This would be, no, don't go there. And this would be, you know, joint venture territory. So that's how we kind of viewed it. I remember, I think you mentioned in the book, too, it was some um, difficult experiences. Was it in Manila, Scott? I mean, you talk oh, yeah. a little bit about that. What <laughs> happened? <laughs> you talk a little bit about what happened there. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, in the book Gumption, I I talk about Manila as being where we first uh, got um, we, where we got a spanking, is the way I describe mm-hmm. it. Right. <laughs> we got involved with a group who um, who were essentially swindlers, and and they um, had uh, uh, developed a, kind of a network of people within within the Philippines, and and they uh, were they, they they we we signed up with them. They were the one of the first franchisees we were with and they ended up uh, with money trouble as you would expect and they were right. looting the company as well as looting some other companies and 
over a period of time, we got more and more um, dissatisfied with them. And I went over and said, look, I'm, you know, I want, I want to be paid, number one. I want this right. to happen, that to happen, and so on. And they abandoned the restaurant on Christmas, just before Christmas. <laughs> and oh, God. Uh, I ended up getting a phone call and had to, I had to fly over there and take over and operate myself, the restaurant, because our, our VP of, of franchise was had some personal issues he was dealing right. with, and it was my deal. So I ended up on, on New Year's Eve in Manila, um, <laughs> sitting at the Peninsula Hotel, <laughs> trying to, uh, and you couldn't go outside because, uh, and, and I think the, the chapter title is Raining Bullets in Manila. Mm-hmm. You couldn't go yeah. outside on New Year's Eve because they fire their guns in the air and the bullets come back down, and I guess there's thousands of bullets flying back to the ground. You can't go outside. So. Oh, my Pretty God. Funny. And that's what I love about the book, you know, is you're, you're sharing of all these different experiences, you know, the ups, the downs, and, you know, everything in between. I just, I, I thought it was fantastic. A lot of our, our listeners that listen to the franchise interview, Scott, they're, we, we call them, you know, a lot of them are aspiring uh, restaurateurs. I mean, they want to, you know, own their own, you know, you know franchise or a restaurant. What lessons can you pass along to them? In their quest. Well, I would say this: that um, in, in in there's a chapter in the book called CEO Lessons that I I talk mm-hmm. about where um, where uh, in the book Gumption where where I, I talk about what I learned and what I think are important things to remember. But one of the things is keep it simple, stupid is is the principle that I learned from the founder of Rusty Pelican Pizza. He is a really smart uh, restaurateur and entrepreneur. And he um, was always saying, you know, but don't overcomplicate it. Keep it simple, right. stupid. And if you're going to be in the franchise business, it should be something that is what I what I use. And I don't know if the word even exists, but I call it franchisable, meaning that it's mm-hmm. that it can be replicated and duplicated. And in the restaurant business, that's a very big, important part of the whole thing. You know, can you are there are there standard ways of doing things that are really, really standard and really replicatable so keep it simple and i think the other thing is follow your passion if you're really and and i know this sounds trite and you hear it from a lot of successful people but it's true it is if you follow your passion and you're not you know you're you're not undercapitalized and all the rest Mm -hmm. of things then you will be successful because um unless you're completely incompetent but but i mean it's it's really the key to success in any business but particularly in restaurants that's fantastic. What's what was the process of like writing this book, Scott? I mean, how did you go about it? I mean, one of my dreams is to write a book one day. How did you go about writing this book? I mean, did you just sit down? I mean, it, it, it's, there's so much in there. I was trying to picture the the way you went about writing it. You know, it, it's um, <laughs> the the genesis of the book was that I was at the University of Arizona speaking with Len. Um, Jessup, who was then the dean of the business school, now mm-hmm. he's president of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, and he encouraged me to write a case study for um, the grad students at right. uh, at, U- at Eller School of Business at U of A, and so I started writing it, and I got ten thousand words into it, and I still hadn't opened a restaurant. He was he was looking at it and and, and saying, you know, you should turn this into a book. Right. And I thought, well, you know what, I can, and I did. And so the the process really went like this: I I would you know, get up in the morning, write fifteen hundred to two thousand words, and then right. uh, put it away. And then in the afternoon, I'd look, go back to it, and look at it, and change it around, and what have you. And then the next day, look at it again, and if I liked it, great. 
and then write another 1,500 or 2,000 words. And that was how the book uh, got written. And it was really, the words didn't flow out, I guess, but they, right. they were certainly not, uh, it was, certainly was not a difficult process for me. That's fantastic. I mean, do you have other books in the work now, Scott? I mean, now that you know this book is getting so much attention. Yeah, I think there's um, there is there's a possibility of another book. It's not about Bubba Gump, but it's about uh, something else. And 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 right. I um, I'm considering it. I've I'm, I'm I know the work involved. So sure, of course, right. Uh, and I, I have a consulting and a practice and a speaking practice and so on and. And I have some other businesses I'm in, in which, with which I'm involved. But, but, but um, yeah, I think there's a possibility of another book, sure. That's fantastic. What's the best way uh, that our listeners can um, buy the book, Scott? Are any websites that they go to? Can they go directly to your website or they go to Amazon? What's the best way to get the book? Yeah, I think the best thing is you can go to IndieBooks or Amazon.com or, okay. uh, of course, uh, uh, almost all Barnes & Nobles are carrying the book. And, uh, and of course, you can get it in an e-version online at Nook or iBooks or what have you. Well, it was a privilege for me to finally get to speak to you, Scott. It, it, I, again, I think the book is fantastic, and I'm recommending it to all my students and friends and family. So uh, you did a great job with the book. So I'd like to definitely have you back on the show again in the future. I'm, I'm, I'm a fan. I'm happy to do it. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks so much, Scott. We'll be right back with more franchise interviews. Franchise interviews from Easton, Pennsylvania to Sydney, Australia. You're listening to Franchise Interviews. Franchise Interviews. Franchisers, are you looking to reach aspiring entrepreneurs looking to buy a franchise? Are you looking to reach a highly educated audience on franchising? For over eight years, Franchise Interviews has been giving an up-close, behind-the-scenes look at franchising and entrepreneurship through our website, FranchiseInterviews.com, where you can hear and read interviews as well as get tips from some of the most successful sources in franchising. Our weekly franchise radio show where each week you get to hear a new interview with franchisers, franchisees, franchise authors, franchise experts and attorneys, and our podcast, Great Quotes in Franchising. For more information, go to FranchiseInterviews.com or call us at 610-905-2919. That's 610-905-2919. Hi, everyone. This is Marty McDermott from Franchise Interviews, and welcome to another edition of Great Quotes in Franchising. For each podcast, you get to hear a great quote in franchising. You know, we've been hosting franchise interviews now over eight years and over 400 shows, and during that time, we've had some incredible quotes on our show. Today, you're going to get to hear from Chris Simic, who is the founder of FranchiseTeacher.com, and Chris has over 30 years of business and franchise experience as an independent business owner, a franchisee, and a franchisor. And Chris said something very profound that we haven't heard on our show in over eight years. He mentioned that you have to almost work harder to fail at franchising than to succeed in franchising. And he explains why. Most people, about 90% I think I've seen, buy a business other than they first looked at. Wow, that's amazing. So that's we it's interesting, isn't it? Them. I mean, that's, that's a big number too, isn't it, Chris? You know, that you know, most people, they go in with these certain expectations and they come out with, with, with something different, you know? And, and I find that fascinating. 
I absolutely, it, it never ceases to astound me, but I think that speaks to the to the, uh, the value of franchising as a as a business model and a business method because right. people don't have to uh, be in something just because they know it. And quite candidly, sometimes getting involved in a business that you would rather do that you were not involved in allows you the, the luxury of taking uh, a new career path and to develop something you never would have had the opportunity to had it not been you know systematized and prioritized for you. You know, in franchising it's said that you have to really almost work harder to fail than to succeed because if you have a good franchise system, right. if you follow directions, you have to almost purposely not follow them to not do well. That's true. That's fantastic. We have this, this great quote in franchising. I, I think we're going to put that one in there because I, I think that's very original and it's, it's very true. What advice would you give to our listeners? You know, we find that most of them, they're just beginning their search to buy a franchise, Chris, and we find that, you know, most of them just simply, they, they don't even know where to begin, like you were saying. What advice would you give to them? I, I do, um, when I speak to people looking at franchise, like, I, I give them three different pieces of advice. One, make sure you're looking for business for the right reason. Mm-hmm. A lot of people have things happen in their life. They lose a job or something happens, and they react and, and maybe say, well, okay, maybe I'll go buy a business. That may not be the, the reason to do it versus having the luxury of selectivity that here's my opportunity that was yeah. created by some adversity. Second thing is that they have to make sure that they are – able to be franchisees, uh, that not everybody is designed to be able to, to follow the systems, procedures, and, 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 the, and the processes it takes to be a successful franchise owner. And then I tell them quite candidly is pick a couple of the industries and the price ranges uh, that, that may have interest to you and then kind of pin down from there, either using the resources of a, uh, a consultant or a, bro- or a broker or, or a team member or, or on their own, either way. But I think that if they, if they take their time, follow the steps, and do it for the right reasons, uh, they'll be on a much smoother pathway uh, to, to success in, in, in owning their own business. That's well said. What's what's in the future then for franchise teacher, Chris? I mean, where do you see the company three to five years down the road? Well, Marty, we've been uh, extremely fortunate and blessed that the the business has has has, has been around you know through Century Franchise Group for many years. And our new franchise teacher uh, dot com has, has taken off. We're representing right now uh, you know seven uh, plus brands. I think in five years our, our focus will really be even more fine-tuned as the, as the consumer or the prospective uh, business owner is looking for more and more specific information, breaking down to teach, coach, consult, and advise, I think will be, um, will be a way for us to assist people in what they need. You know, people, again, don't know what they don't know, but right. I think the information overload uh, sometimes discourages people too early. They say, I, this is too much for me to process. Mm. But if we can break it That's down true. into bite-sized pieces, I think more and more people, especially the younger generation, who are looking for the advice and the information they want when they want it, I think is you know going to do nothing more than uh, continue. Then our next business venture, which launches at the end of this year, uh, will, is looking to capture all the different franchise brands around the world and put them into one place. So it's, it's, we're, we're, we're looking forward to uh, a future. And franchising is going nowhere but growing, you know, as you right. said about a long time, too, the number of franchise opportunities. And the world's getting to be a smaller place. I think you're going to find a yeah. lot of opportunities coming in and going out of, of different marketplaces and different countries uh, accessible to more people. That's 
fantastic. What's the best way, Chris, for our listeners to get <clears throat> more information on FranchiseTeacher.com? Obviously, FranchiseTeacher.com, but any numbers you'd like them to call or email addresses? Well, actually, I, I, we appreciate uh, you know, www.FranchiseTeacher.com. And okay. my, my business partner, Dave, and I offer them the free one-hour consultation. Fill out the form oh, and take great. advantage of it. That's fantastic. I want to thank you again, Chris, for I, you know finally coming on the show. You know, it, it, I've been following your career for a long time now. You know, and I have just been very impressed with with, with everything that you've done. You know, so when I, when I saw this, I, I mentioned to you we don't typically um, call people to come on the show. You know, but but I had to have you specifically on the show. So it was an honor and a privilege to have you on the show today. Marty Ditto, and again, congratulations on your um, uh, PhD, Doctor. I have read your thesis and I would recommend it reading if people can get oh, through that's the information. I really appreciate that you read it too because that, that, that's an honor coming from you so that's fantastic. Well I want to thank you again Chris thank and we'll you. be right back with more franchise interviews.